This week on the Football Pundit Imposter podcast, an old favourite returns. It's VAR is shit as the video referee took centre stage in this week's rounds of fixtures. In the Premier League, uh, controversial decisions uh, left, right and centre. So we're going to be talking about that. We're also going to be reviewing the first month of the Premier League as JP and I talk about our favourite players club by club, breaking down what we think so far to the signings that people have made, the resurgences of people who maybe weren't doing so well, and maybe some disappointments of players that we thought were going to perform. Uh, of course, we are fans as well as imposters from a punditry perspective. So as a Burnley fan, JP is going to wax lyrical. We've been away for a few weeks, so he's going to be talking about Burnley. And I'll be doing the same about the revival of one Manchester United, uh, fresh off the back of a victory when we welcomed Arsenal to Old Trafford this week. And last but not least, we're going to be talking about our fantasy football league as we continue in vain, the common vein of mediocrity. So we'll talk about some of the highs and lows of the last few weeks. It's good to be back. It's been a few weeks. JP's been away, but we are here for another episode of the Football Pundit Imposter Podcast. My name is Rob. I'm your host on this journey through the wonderful land of the Premier League, but I'm not alone. The Chewbacca to my hand solo is alongside me. Mr. John Pickup is here. How are we doing, sir? I'm very well. Yeah, nice and tanned. Slightly yes. fatter than I was when I left. Yep. Let's be honest, you've, you've missed me, haven't you? Of course, yeah. Absolutely, mate. I've not had no one to talk about football too. with. Yeah, let's talk with footy about Matt. Let's talk to Matt about footy. He knows nothing. Yeah, well, we've evidenced that already. Yeah, he was on the show. Never again. Never again. No, it's good to have you back, mate. It has been a bit rubbish being away. Apologies uh, if anybody has missed us. Uh, We're glad to be back. We're happy to be here. Um, And we've got loads to talk about, haven't we, mate? Um, Before we get into it, I just wanted to open the show. Uh, it's, It's something that has been spoken about fairly uh, regularly uh, over the course of this weekend and rightly so um, uh, but I don't know if it's hit every single media outlet and, and certain people maybe ca- more casual viewers or fans of the Premier League might not have come across this story so I just wanted to share it as of course I am um, alongside Man United and Burnley Burnley my championship team my league one team are extra my, uh, my, my mate Sam is a very big fan and uh, have you read the story this weekend about one young Jay Stansfield yeah, I have. Yeah, go on. I'll, I'll Amazing. Just to share it for anyone who doesn't. So Adam Stansfield was an Exeter legend. Uh, ask any Exeter fan. He played 142 games for the club between 2006 and 2010. Um, unfortunately, he very, very sadly passed away long before his time, leading to um, Exeter retiring his number nine shirt, naming a stand after him. Um, his name lives on at that football club. St. James's Park is very much a shrine uh, to his memory. He is very, very much missed by, by the football and community down on the south coast and in an absolutely wonderful um, roundabout in football news his son Jay young lad who I think he's on Fulham's books uh, has uh, has just signed for Exeter on loan they've given him his dad's number nine shirt and he came out so a roaring ovation in his first game wearing that jersey for Exeter this weekend I, I, I got choked up hearing it I got choked up talking yeah. about it, it w- lovely story isn't it Classy. Very, very classy. And, you know, it's a perfect tribute as well, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Let's hope oh, he yeah. goes and bangs in a few goals. 
Yeah, I hope so. I want to see him do really, really well down there. And you know what? He's on Fulham's books. So, you know, no disrespect to Exeter, but hopefully touted for bigger and better things. Um, but what a great platform, you know, to, to get out there and prove what you can do, just like your dad did 20 years ago to 15 years ago. I love it. Yeah, really good. And then the the story that I want to bring into the intro, um, a little bit more lighthearted than that. Um, mm-hmm. So th- I go away for two weeks. Two weeks I've been away and this little lad over here has taken over TikTok. What can How I say? How did that happen? Uh, you know what? You weren't here and I had nothing to do. Uh, so I just thought I'll put a video on like we have been doing for the last two or three months, try and get a bit of uh, <laughs> momentum for the podcast, get a few people listening. Um, no one listens to the podcast, but all of a sudden, uh, yeah, it's going quite well. I've been doing a daily game of They Played for Both, which is a little TikTok game where we use a badge filter to to, to pick players. And it, to be honest, mate, it's just like being back in the 90s with a sticker book collection. I'm leaning very heavily on my the fact that I'm old as fuck and my uh, my, my memory of, of watching Premier League years when I've got nothing else to do and I'm avoiding the kids. And um, and of course, uh, yeah, collecting stickers and remembering who everybody played for. So, yeah, it's loads of fun. Do head over to TikTok. It's good. It is. Um, it's, really, it's really entertaining as well. And um yeah, I you know the the amount of likes and the comments and the you know the the baller knowledge things. You, I mean, you've got a big enough ego as it is, mate. I'm uh, oh yeah, no, I, I'm worried that you're gonna float away. <laughs> like 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 a scene from Up. Um, no, <laughs> yeah, no, you've got to stay humble. No, no, absolutely no. You know, there's there's some amazing creators on TikTok. They've got absolutely elite football levels of football knowledge and um and it's quite nice to just create and interact with people and talk to people about what they think and i almost like it a little bit more when i do mess up a little bit or forget someone i try to keep those in because i love those interactions where people suggest where i could have yeah. done better and it reminds me of people that i'd completely forgotten about and get me back on the radar get back get them back on my radar and you know what it's just it, i really enjoyable what, even though they're probably working in a chip shop now <laughs> Yes. Yeah, yeah, you remember Yari Lippman and don't you? <laughs> Yari Lippman does not work in a chip shop. No, the, no, obviously. The streets won't forget Yari Lippman and thank you very much. Although I did get Stephen Warnock and Steve Finnan mixed up the other week, and uh, TikTok was very quick to point out that um, uh, one's a left back, one's a right back, and I got them the wrong way around. But anyway, that's not the point. Really, really enjoyable. Head over to TikTok if you want to have a watch of it. Thank you very much for bringing it up, sir. Uh, no, we'll that's get... okay. It just means that my TikTok career is over, so it's, uh, it's going to be not. quite a hard act to follow. We're going to get you involved in it. And then, um, and then there we go. That's that's the next step. Think of some new games to do. Um, to the yeah. next step. Right. So well, ne- let's let's get on with this. Step. Step. Right. Uh, uh, we, the the big talking point this week, mate, is VAR, isn't it? So should we let let let's have a little bit of a walk through some of those decisions and it's 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 hurting the Premier League, isn't it? I think this is this this weekend just proved how detrimental VAR can be when they clearly do not have a consistent plan in place for how they need to employ it. I, I knew this feature would come back. VAR is shit. It is so shit. And to be fair, it, it did seem to get its shit together a little bit towards the back end of last season. Mm. But the, the way they started this season, uh, it's just it's just becoming more and more difficult to to have any any sort of justification for keeping it. I mean, I, I'm I'm talking now from a championship watcher's perspective. Yes, we, we've missed a few clear and obvious decisions that would have been overturned by VAR, mm. but it's so refreshing not to have it in the game. Yes. Yeah. 
it's night and day. And, you know, what we've seen this weekend is just kind of epitomise the fact that they need to go back to the drawing board. Yeah, you know, I've said this loads of times and we'll get into the specific examples and and how that's impacted things as we go. But I think the key thing for me is that what nobody seems to be considering is the fact that when football at times is subjective, it's not black and white. It's like, is that a foul? Is that not a foul? You know, it, you know, the, the offside thing's different and we'll come to offside in a minute. But the kind of the, you know, was there a foul in the build up? Was he interfering with play? Um, you know, all, all those things. Was it inside or outside of the box? You know, where, where did the, the contact start? You know what I mean? Like there's so many things that can impact a decision. I don't understand when it is a subjective decision like that. Yeah, OK, the camera angles help, but it's still somebody making a judgment call. So why can't that yeah. just be the fucking referee? I mean, it, it's worked for quite a few years before VAR, hasn't it? Exactly. exactly. Are we to, to dissect a few of these in more detail? Yeah, yeah, let's. Um, where do you want to go first? Which one do you want to talk about first? I think m- maybe the Chelsea-West Ham one. I, I think we start there because that, for me, is the, the worst of the lot. Mm. Yeah. I mean... So- so and, and Andy Madley was the ref in Chelsea West Ham, wasn't he? And it was Jared Gillet, uh, Gillet, Not a name that I'm particularly familiar with on VAR, which is interesting. Um, well, it's definitely someone who needs to rethink his uh, life choices. <laughs> career choice. Probably needs, yeah. You know, you know what? <sighs> Edward Mendy's got a lot to answer for. Do you think so? I, I think he did get no. kicked in the chest. No, I think that was shit hours at his finest. I, I I disagree. I I think I think he fumbled the ball. He fucked up. He knew he fucked up, and he didn't he didn't get up to throw himself at the ball. He didn't. I I don't think he was as hurt as you thought he was. I I think he just no. got he just got a clip on the way over. It wasn't a foul. There was no way it was a foul. It should have been a goal. West Ham have been robbed of two points, and it that was probably. I think that was the worst one of the weekend for me. I, I think it's possibly the worst call that VAR's made. Yeah. Period. The the yeah. worst refereeing decision since the African Cup of Nations where that referee... Uh, <laughs> 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 I'd completely erased that from my memory. But no, you're right. You're right. And, you know, I, I've got a little bit of bias on that because Cornet slammed it into the top corner after missing the yeah. sitter as well. Um, yeah. But, yeah... It, it wasn't a foul. I, I just don't... What I don't understand is, firstly, that, that it went to VAR in the first place. And yeah, it looks like they're looking at everything fine. The fact that the referee then went over to the monitor and watched it and then said, yeah, it's, it's foul, and then disallowed the goal. Mm. And that that takes us then to Michael Oliver, I guess. Who did something that what else has done. He, he did. He did. But I don't think it was a penalty. <laughs> Which is the irony of the whole thing. I, don't I, think I, it, I, I tend to agree with you. <laughs> I, you know, so I think I think what's wonderful, I think what, what's reflection of the fact that, that VAR is so shit is the fact that simply because Michael Oliver ignored it, everyone's like claiming he's this absolute superhero. When in reality, I think he got it wrong. I, I don't think. I don't think the bo- I, I don't think the defender made his body unnaturally bigger. I, I don't think it was a penalty. 
I, I agree. I, I I think he got it wrong, and and then the fact that I, and I knew it would be him. He it's for you know the first one that actually ignored it and yeah. said no, no, I'm sticking with my original decision. But yeah. yeah, I thought his original decision was wrong. But it is it is setting a little bit more of a precedent that yeah that will happen more now. Yeah, it's nice. And Michael Oliver, I do think Michael Oliver is a better ref in the Prem. Yeah. Um, he polarises a bit, doesn't he? I think some people don't rate him, but I, I think he's the best ref in the Prem. And, um, and, and and I think him doing it, hopefully, others will follow. I want to move on, though, from, from that decision, because, you know, that is what it is. And the penalty was, you know, not overturned and fine. Um, let's move on to, to, to the second um, VAR overturn of Saturday. And the reason I'd mentioned the 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 experienced inexperienced dynamic from the VAR to referee ratio um, in 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 the West Ham Chelsea game is because uh, and this isn't my observation it was called out on match of the day I thought it was yeah, very interesting was. was that that dynamic was was flipped on its head Michael Salisbury was the was the referee he's he's a, he's a new referee to the league um, and he took charge of that game and we want to see new referees being blooded in we want to see. Um, uh, uh, younger referees as well, and um, being given an opportunity in the league. He had Lee Mason in in in, in the VAR room, and I think he I think he's been let down by a very experienced official. I agree. I I I I, I don't understand how Lee Mason can first of all even think that that's that that was a foul on the keeper. But let's just for context, just yeah, for people that are aware of the referee and the VAR for that. So we're talking about Newcastle and Palace, aren't we? Yes, yes. Sorry, sorry. Yes. Yeah, so Newcastle Palace. Um, so the, uh, the ball but, comes in. Tyreek Mitchell clearly pushes. Who was it? It was. Who was it? Who did you uh, push? It ended up being an own goal, didn't it? Uh, yeah. Was it? Um, good question. Why can't I find it on me? I don't know, I can't think. On, on my screen, it was. It was someone who you wouldn't expect to be in that position anyway. But anyway, so he, he pushed the Newcastle player into the goalkeeper. There's a collision, and then it hits Mitchell on the shoulder and goes in. Now, if anything, it's a penalty for the push. But VAR's overturned it and said that the Newcastle player fouled the keeper, which is just, it's not right. But But then Lee Mason didn't show him all the angles. No, he, he, uh, that is what they were saying on Match of the Day that if if you if you if you because they obviously get the live feed, don't they, while they're watching it in the final score or whatever during the day, and and they, they, he didn't he didn't show him he didn't show him the clear angle from the far side of the goal that shows Tyreek Mitchell clearly just bowling him into the it wasn't Jacob Murphy was it? Yeah, I think so. I'm looking at it now. I haven't got a clue. I, I completely forgot it was. I was too busy being dead angry about the fact that it wasn't given the goal. <laughs> we, we didn't even... Uh, it was Joe Willock. Joe Willock. It was Joe Willock, right. Okay. There you go. Okay. So, it shows yeah. it between all, doesn't it? But yeah, the, the, the fact remains that Mitchell clearly pushes Willock into the keeper. Yeah. So it's not a foul. Yeah. The, the only way that that's not a goal is if the referee sees it as malicious foul play denying a goal-scoring opportunity, in which place you are not allowed to play an advantage because the player needs to be sent off. So the only way that that's not a goal is that it's a penalty and a red card. Yeah. But it's definitely not a a free kick to fucking Crystal Palace, is it? 
I think you've hit the nail on the head there. And well, kind of uh, plagiarizing the match of the day, uh, finding mm. there that you know you've got a really experienced official helping out, a, or not helping out a, an inexperienced official. Terrible yeah. decision. It's not yeah. quite as bad as a West Ham one, but I think it's probably second on the list. Yeah, I, I don't think it's as bad. Um, but again, it's the nine Newcastle three points, and, it, and it's three points that could make a difference at the end of the season. This is a team yeah. that's trying to step up to the next level, and and, and they, they're wanting. They want in European football. They want in to be up amongst the big boys. And, and they're not there yet, but results like that are what's going to get them there. I, I don't know. I, I, I just... And, and you know what you know what gets me about that one? It was malicious by Mitchell. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't a coming together. There was movement of the arm. He meant to do it. So how is him not being punished? And he should have he should have to deal with the fact that he's cost his team three points. Agreed. It, it, it was it was it was really disappointing. I thought. Oh, totally agree. Totally agree. Terrible decision. Um, and then the last big decision from from Saturday was in the evening kickoff, um, and it all centred around in this instance not VAR. It was the on-field referees that um, potentially need to bear the brunt. Um, uh, so Simon Hooper and I, I don't know which of his linos it was that that flagged whether it was Adrian Adrian Holmes or, or Dan Robertson. But um uh, you've done your research this week, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I've got a Premier League app open, come on. Um and uh, but I think yeah, I don't know which one of the linos it was, but they prematurely blew for an offside on Coutinho coming back into an onside position before he proceeded to bend it round Edison with an absolute perler that would have won Villa the game. Yeah. It's again it, it, because the because the whistle went, VAR can't intervene. Is that right? No, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but the um, the the instructions that they've been given is that if it is a marginal decision, let the play continue to the end of that phase, so they can check it yeah. and let VAR get involved, particularly when it comes to an offside decision. Because this is the thing we talked a lot about bad VAR decisions. By and large, you can argue whether the you know, whether the, the, the amount of leeway that's given or the way the lines are drawn, you can argue the semantics of it, but by and large, offside is a black or white decision. It's not subjective. So I've not really got an issue with offside. So I, I, I actually, whilst there is there is a bit of an issue with, um, you know, what, what happens if you don't give a marginal offside decision, it was offside. The, the Lionel might have put his flag up pre-VAR, but he chose not to. The ball then, the phase of play concludes. The ball goes out for a corner. The attacking team get the corner that they didn't deserve, and they score from that corner. There's, there's those kind of scenarios that make it imperfect, but I certainly think that the best way to deal with it is to do what they do, which is to allow the marginal decisions to go. But he didn't do that. Why didn't he do that? I, maybe they've seen what's happened earlier in the day and they've had a, a referee's team talk and it's like, lads will just deal with this one because they've fucked yeah. it up all day. <laughs> you know what? You say that jokingly, but I, I think that a big contributing factor to this is I don't think the refs know if they're coming or going. No? I, sure. I, I, I don't think the refs know what's going on. I, I don't think one week to the next, the refs know what they're supposed to be calling or not. We've been told that they've been told that they're supposed to let the physicality go a little bit more, but then VAR's getting involved in every little bit of foul play. You know what I mean? I, I know you're segueing somewhere else. There is, I just want to segue back to earlier on in the day before mm. you do. And you talk about referees not necessarily knowing where they're going. But there was a, an incident in the Leeds-Brentford um, game as well mm. where Jesse Marsh got sent off. Yeah. 
because Lee should have had a penalty. There's no no dispute in yeah. that for, for my standpoint. That's another um, one missed, wasn't and, it? And you could clearly see him saying this. You know, this isn't what we've been told. And so he, I think after the game, he said, "Look, I don't know why I got sent off. We've had all these managers' meetings prior to the season, and we, there's an expectation being set, and that's not happening. So so what the fuck's going on?" Whilst we're on the var is shit conversation for Saturday, before we move on to Sunday, another one, and it's mad that the more we talk about it, the more I'm thinking, oh, what about this thing that happened? Should Van Dijk have been sent off in the Merseyside derby? Potentially, yeah. Still to a high. Is it, is it a clear and obvious error? If Going back to what VAR is meant to be there for. But again, it's not implied consistently like that. Applied consistently like that, is true. it? This is true. I don't know. I, mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. In real time, I don't know if I thought it was a penalty. I'm, I'm not being antagonistic for the purpose of it. I think that, you know, his studs were high. Um, it looks bad in slow motion because you can freeze the frame where he's got six studs up in the air. So yeah. that, you know, that and, it, and it's making contact. It could have been, you know, if, 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 if the studs were planted, that could have been a leg breaker. But when you watch it in real time, the thing with Van Dijk is he never really flies into anything. He's such a clever footballer, isn't he, that he doesn't really leave his feet that often. Um, and he didn't leave his feet in this instance either, to be honest. So, you know, he, he, he very rarely has, he cruises through the game, doesn't he? And he very rarely has to, like, make a, like a, a, a last-ditch tackle or slide across the ground or do anything, anything other than a canter because he's just so good. So when you watch it in real time, I don't think he really... He didn't go in that hard on him. It's just that his, his foot rolled up the ball and, and ended up on his shin. See, see that's interesting, though. Do you, do you think that that ever plays into the, the minds of even the VAR? That oh, it's Van Dijk? Well, you know, the, the, yeah, exactly that. Oh, well, because he, he glides through the game and he doesn't slide in. If that's Lee Catamol, <laughs> they're going to send him off. <laughs> Mate, if that's Lee Catamol, he's wrapping his boot round his head. But you, you take my point, though. It's, I do, you know, I do 100%. Is it because of, of you know, his... His kind of rap sheet. I don't know. His, his, his reputation precedes him. Yeah. Interesting. And then what about Sunday then? So probably the big call on the Sunday came in the Man United-Arsenal game. Interested to hear your thoughts, because mine, of course, are entirely loaded and biased in terms of Martinelli's opener that wasn't. What did you think to it? It's a foul. Odegaard bundles Eriksen over and doesn't get the ball. It's a very, very soft foul. Should is it a clear and obvious error? I'm not sure. The, I'm for not, me, for, for me, the on-field referee's got to have the call there because he stood right next to it and he's I'm let not, it go. I'm not sure I understand what clear and obvious error means. If I'm completely honest, <laughs> like, you know, the more we everyone keeps saying clear yeah. and obvious error, and I'm like, do they know? Have they defined what clear and obvious error means? Because well, I don't know what the fuck it means. You've you've clearly missed that. Well, for me, that's a oh, he unballed it there. You didn't see it because you're. You know, you, you've made a mistake here. Mm. It's when oh, who was it? Who got sent off? It was it. Um, Kieran Gibbs got sent off when it should have been outside Chamberlain <laughs> years ago. That's clear and obvious. Yeah, <laughs> that was dead weird. <laughs> so, so that's a clear and obvious error. The fact that the referee didn't give a a soft free kick. Yeah. Mm. Is it? Is it clear? That that for me should stay with the on on yeah. field referee. On field ref. I get what but, you mean. It was a foul. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. It was soft, but then, but then McTominay did it's something finish, similar. Finish, by the way. It was it was best finish of the game, I think. Brilliant. Um, but uh, but yeah, 
Uh, I, I mean, as a Man United fan, I'm always going to say it's a foul, but I think it is a reflection of how much the rules are applied inconsistently. Yeah. Uh, in, in that one, I think we got to the right decision, but I don't think you could have had too much of an argument if it was still given. Mm. And to be fair, I thought that was going to be the second one of the weekend where he went and went, nah, I still think it was soft. Yeah, was yeah, yeah. Well, I, 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 I was thinking that, to be honest. I, I was thinking it wasn't going to. It wasn't going to get overturned. He was going to have a look and go, nah, never mind. Uh, particularly after Michael Oliver had done it as well. Maybe setting that precedent, like we said before. Yeah. But um, but he did, and Man United won, of course. And, and that was the end of the weekend. But well, just summarise this segment. Because we have been hard. <laughs> I could do it. I could do it. VAR is shit. VAR is really, really shit. But how do you fix it? Do you just go back to not having it? You invested so much money in it. I, I think I think they need to well from a fan experience they need to do something mm. because fans in the ground don't have a clue what's going on still you do get a little bit more when you when you're at home watching it yeah but it's taking a lot of the shine out of it I've been able to celebrate goals knowing that they're just going to stand you look up for the linesman and that's it mm. yeah. I mean, even I mean, I mean, it needs it needs a, it needs a complete rehaul and a re- yeah. everything. Yeah, I, th- I think the best example to you was it um, uh, was it in the Brentford Leeds game? Was it a Buemo that scored? Um, Buemo, sorry, that scored a goal and was it flagged initially? And then VAR was like, no, no, it's fine. Yeah. So it was like it completely jilted his celebration, and it was like, yeah. and then he and then he had to go off and celebrate again. It it, it just. It, it kills the Talking about the celebrating as well, and we'd be amiss to not mention this one. Good old Ricky Charlson, um, <laughs> who correctly, his goal was ruled out. He got booked for taking his shirt off and celebrating. Mm. Well, if, if it didn't exist, should that not have been rescinded as well? I would, well, no. And I'll tell you for why. Because he still took his shirt off. Yeah, if I was just like, if, if, if we kicked off and I just whipped my top off, I'd be getting booked, wouldn't I? I don't you know, know. Yeah. looking for a B. Oh, a B. <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure. Like, I just make, I make a sliding tackle and knock the ball out of play, and I whip my shirt off and start flexing. I'm pretty sure I'm getting booked. <laughs> yeah, Let me try, yeah, try it out enough. though. Try I mean, out I'm a charity yeah, football. It couldn't have happened to a nicer guy, could it? Oh, he's a cock. He's a cock. Um, but there we go. That's that, that's VAR. And so an impromptu round for the game week, I guess. Yeah. So are we to um are we to while we were talking about the last game of the day are we to stick with your beloved Manchester United and head over and talk about them? Yeah, let's do that. I'm not going to sit there and be like, Man United are back, we're winning the league. Absolutely not. But Fucking Roy we... Keane were yesterday. He yeah, was he was loving he was... life. I think he just wanted to scrap the Merce, if I'm honest. Um, and I've, 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 Paul I've, Merce I've... is an absolute weapon. Can I just uh, say that? Probably the worst pundit going. I think, and especially when you hear people talking about how, you know, there's all this wokeism on television, all these women are on there for just be, just just to fill a quota and yet seem to really like Paul Merson. And it's like, come on, are you kidding me? I'd take Alex Scott over Paul Merson any day of the week. Um, Agreed. So, yeah, but no, with United, you know, let, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But last time we spoke, it has been two weeks and there's been four games since. So um, we beat Liverpool. We ground out two one nils back to back, and then we beat uh, and we beat Arsenal. Um, 
the thing that's really exciting me about United at the moment is that there seems to be a camaraderie, a team spirit and a desire. The way that they're, the way the defenders are celebrating when they get a ball out for a corner, the way that they're celebrating at the end, um, how happy they are for each other when they score. Ten Hag has made some very, very brave decisions. Um, and, and, here, and here's something that, that I'd like. To, I'd, I'd be interested to get your thoughts on if it's all right, mate, because I've got a, a, a WhatsApp chat with a couple of my pals who are United, United fans. And I said something after the, I think it was the Leicester game. Um, I think Man United fans have got to bear some responsibility for how tragic we've been over recent years. And what I mean by that is that I, th- I feel like there are certain players that have played for United, and some of them still do, over the years, who, despite constant shortcomings in terms of ability, fitness, attitude, um, so many areas where they've fallen down, despite holistically, as a fan base, sitting there saying, big change is needed, we need to get this cancer out of our club. We need to cut away at the rot and we, and we need to fix it. We've turned a blind eye to the players who blatantly, obviously, are the cause of it, or at very least a contributing factor, because either they're English and so we've got some kind of unconscious bias towards them, or because we spent a lot of money on them and we want it to do well and we want them to do well because we feel like almost this sense of it's our own money. And therefore, we need to um, we need to justify that we spent it so we don't get bantered by fans of other clubs. The case to put people in question, Paul Pogba, I think, has had 100 chances from Man United, despite never only doing it for one season. The United he had one season where he showed up before we signed Bruno, where he played in like a number 10 role and sometimes out on the right where he was excellent. Um, Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw. Like. These players, despite clearly being part of the problem, we're like, oh, well, if we just sign a, a, a centre after going, Maguire will be good again. Oh, if Luke Shaw just gets a new manager, he'll be all right. Donny van der Beek's another one. How many United fans are crying out for Donny van der Beek to get a chance? Four different fucking managers have decided he's not good enough and he couldn't get in an Everton team that nearly got itself relegated. And yet we're still sitting, there's still people in this United fan base saying, or we've only given Van der Beek a chance, the boy's got something. Like, uh, what? Ten Hag is the first one that has ignored that kind of commentary and just gone, I'm, play, I'm bringing my lads in, I'm playing my way. And if you don't want it, you're going to move out the way. And look what's happened. I know it's only four games, but look what's happened. Yeah, I mean, my two pennies worth in that is that I agree with you. Um, I, I, think, I think a price tag always means that you're going to try and stick with a player. Um, and, you know, Maguire's the case in point, isn't he? Um, mm. and it was an inflated fee when they paid it for him. And he did start well. There's no two ways about it. He yeah. did start well. He was okay. Yep. But, I mean, the first thing he did when he came on yesterday was get parked. And then he um, should have given away a penalty. Yeah. So, you know, he's justifying the fact that he's been dropped, in my mind. Ronaldo didn't do anything when he came on. So, they're for, they're for me, are the two big changes that that Ten yeah. brought in. Um and you know, Menno Bonds about it against Arsenal, they were pretty good. Arsenal. Yeah. yeah. And you know you're rather looking at some points, but they counterattack really well. And the the players that were on the pitch are built for that. 
the likes of Shooty Shows, your Maguires, and Ronaldo now, they're not they're not built for that. No. So, yeah, um, I, I agree. I agree with you that you know that the I can't really talk for the United fan base in the same way that you can, but cutting out these players that clearly aren't good enough is is the first step. I mean, the next one for me, McTominay, I still don't understand what he does. Do, do you know? Do, do you know what? I, I think Ten Hag's backed himself into a bit of a corner with this one. So McTominay is actually, if you watch United 90 minutes every game, McTominay's played pretty well in the last three weeks. Like he's been all right. Um, he, the, 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 I'm the, still not seeing it. No, the, the systems made it easy. He played very well against Liverpool. He was he did a great job of breaking up the play against Liverpool. Uh, and he was pretty solid in, in, in the other three games as well. Nothing um, particularly exciting, but he's he's clearly got a lot about him in terms of his will. There's, you can't question his desire. So I think what Ten Hag's got is that be, keeping Ronaldo out the side because Rashford's playing well, he can't turn around and just throw Casemiro in until McTominay shows him why he's not good enough because that completely goes against that ethos of... Yeah. I stick with my players that play well. So I, I do think that United will be better off when Casemiro gets into that team. Of course they will. It's chalk and cheese. McTominay can't lace his boots. But I don't think he can just drop him without cause. And he has been playing quite well. The flip side of what you were just saying then about price tags and sticking with really poor players that aren't good enough to play, the fact that the signing of Christian Eriksen was even questioned... Oh, because he was a free is beyond me. Um, you know, it, he's taken a little while to settle in, but you know they, they weren't playing particularly well. But he was he was great yesterday. He's a he's a really really good footballer. Yeah, he I mean that, that's kind of stately obvious, isn't it? Right, but um, but you know he's definitely at home in a United shirt. Yeah, and, and the thing is, if, if if you've not been a well, certainly when he was at Spurs, he was more attacking. I think if, if you didn't watch Brentford last season, certainly, or even maybe when he was out at Inter, or what he does for Denmark. He, he progresses play very, very well. And I think you can kind of oversimplify Ericsson's role, that he's just this guy who can pick a pass and he, you know, he, he can he can take a good free kick or he can put a good cross in. Like, there is a lot more to his game. And, and I'll be honest, I was one of those people that, you know, not having watched the teams he plays for week in, week out, you get this kind of media interpretation of the type of player he is. Kind of like almost an old school number 10 um, that don't really exist in the game anymore. And you almost think to yourself, OK, how is he suddenly going to, kind of sit just in front of the six and and and, prog- and move the play from box to box but he's he's so good he's so clever oh, and he gets I, through some work as well i was gonna say he works his socks off he covers his fullbacks well when they bomb on he puts himself about and he is always looking forward always and i think bruno is really going to feel the benefit of having him as the one that's supplying him to then do something brave Interesting. Um, I mean, you know, the next few games are going to be important. So Palace next, then mm-hmm. Leeds, which, you know, that that's obviously a, a bitter rivalry there. Then City mm-hmm. and then Spurs, Chelsea, West Ham after that. So there's a few tough games coming up. I mean, you know, they, they beat the two, well, one of the best teams in the country and then one of the informed teams in the country. So can the run carry on? We'll see. We'll see. It's a very, It's a tough run of fixtures, isn't it? It's a tough run of fixtures, and, yeah. and we've got Europe starting, and obviously we're going to be coming into the um, uh, the Carabao Cup as well. So it's it's basically Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday for United for a while. Um, but we'll see. Let's see. Let's see what happens. Yeah. 
Indeed. What about Championship Corner then, mate? How Burnley been getting on while we've been away? Um, they've they've had a they've had an upturn in form. So the football, I've said this before, it's night and day compared to what what we've seen mm. for the last few years. Um, and it's always going to take a little bit of time to to kind of gel that and and everyone know the roles. But um, but over the last couple of weeks, we've started to see a lot more chances being created and then put away. Um, so just before I went away, we, we drew one apiece against Hull. We absolutely dominated them. They got one on the break and we should have won that game. So it was a, a missed opportunity. And then we had a 3 all draw with Blackpool after being 2-0 up. Um, and then 3-1 up. It's, uh, you know, we're a bit of a sickener, really. Uh, and then we went and absolutely demolished Wigan. And um, I, I did say to a, a work colleague that, you know, it's, it's only a matter of time now before we put five past somebody. And um, and we only had about eight chances in the, the Wigan game. So, you know, they're, they're pretty ruthless. Um, absolutely demolished Millwall. And we're lucky against West Brom, to be fair. We, we probably we, we could have won the game, but um, a point was definitely, you know, the least that West Brom deserved in that game. So kind of summarising it the football's great to watch it's really really easy on the eye um, Burnley fans like United fans they piss you off Burnley fans really annoy me sitting in the stands and oh that keeper's no good because he's able to play the ball out with his feet it's it's mad sometimes you know people are that indoctrinated in the, in the, the way that they've been used to seeing football played that they're so closed off to any new ideas and it's going to take a little bit of time just get rid of it. Just get rid of it out. Yeah. It's, you know, you've got to trust the process and we are going to make mistakes. We could, one of the goals that we conceded against Blackpool was, it was a combination of Josh Cullen and the keeper um, because the ball was passed out. It was similar to um, to one of Brentford's goals against United uh, where, where uh, was it was it passed out to Ericsson? And Fred, someone stolen. Fred, no, maybe no, whoever no, it, it was. It was Ericsson. It was Ericsson. You uh, and then, and then they dispossessed him and then scored. That that happened, but that's gonna happen every now and then. But yeah, um, you know, the brand of football that's on on display is is excellent. And I think company said quite a few times that they were looking at after the World Cup being the real time when you know we'll see the 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 new system burning through. And it's already started. And you know, we're sat in the top six at the minute. And, uh, you know, it's all on merit. So I, I think it's going to be a good season. I, I, you know what I would love? I would Whether it's this season or next, you know, I don't know whether it's going to be a bit of a rebuilding process to get companies styling. I hope you stick with them. I hope you give them time, whether you come up this year again or not. Oh, I, I think but, they will. I think, I think the worry is that if he does succeed quickly, that someone else will come in for him. I think that's gonna, more of a worry than, than yeah. not giving him time. Burnley yeah. have always done that. Manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to see Burnley coming up playing that style of football. You know what I mean? Like those people who might not watch the championship, yeah. who might not understand what's going on um, uh, down there at the moment uh, and what's going on at, at Turf Moor with, with this rebuild project that company's doing and the types of players he's brought in and expect to see Sean Dyche. What, 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 <laughs> yeah, that will be interesting. What, 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 what do they call it when they're taking the piss? Brexit ball. They're expecting yeah, Brexit bre- ball. They're expecting An- anti-football. Brexit ball. Anti-football. And then they come up and they start passing it around like Barcelona take attacker playing out from the back. I'd love to see it. I'd, yeah. I'd love to see it. Me, me too. And, and what I would also like is all these new young players that have come in is to get them playing together for 12, 18 months because yeah. at Anderlecht, each season they got 
completely decimated and he had to bring 15 players in every time to give him some time to actually get his ideas across and then people become comfortable with that and then play that on a more regular basis mm. it's only going to improve them and, and, and improve us as well so one way to continue it's, it's a really good start yeah agreed I think the other thing that's probably quite good is, is correct me if I'm wrong I might be I might be speaking well out of turn but I know you've got a couple but you've not dipped too heavily into the loan market have you You've bought a lot of these players, so um, yeah. The, well, the, the two on deadline day brings it to five, so there are five loanies um, right. in there. So, so we've hit our maximum quarter. Um, right. Okay. But, so there are a few in there. But what, what I was thinking yeah. was you have brought quite a few in on perms. Yeah. Yeah. Ten, ten of them are ten of them are, are permanent. Because because that, that that's part of the pain of it, isn't it? Like you know you saw you know Forrest. Everyone argued that Jed Spence was Forrest's best player last season. Yeah. And, and suddenly he's, he's not playing for yeah. anymore. And it was and they didn't have a say in that because he was a Middlesbrough player and they decided to sell him to Spurs. So, yeah. you know, it, that, that it can be tricky, not just getting out of the championship, but then how you build your team in the Prem if you've relied too heavily on the loan market. I think yeah. whilst I've got those loan players in, I do feel like Burnley have bought really cleverly on some permanent deals. I think what they've done as well is that there's a succession plan in there for for the loans. So best example yeah. I'll give you is Taylor Harwood Bellis. So he's yeah. England under 21 captain. He's a City player. Yeah. Um, he potentially might not make it a city, but he's definitely good enough for for top half Premier League. So if it's that's not with us, then he goes somewhere else next season. We bought Luke McNally from Oxford, so he's not quite ready to jump in yet. He could be next season. Yeah. And and another one that I, I just want to mention as well is Nathan Teller uh, from Southampton. Oh, he's How he's not great, getting a game he? for Southampton is yeah. absolutely beyond me. He's mm. got everything. I think um, Simon uh, Minty was was saying, you know to me that he's, he's rapid he'll put a shift in for you but he's not really prolific and he's shown that he, he knows where the back of the net is so he can like. definitely do it in championship can't he yeah. um yeah no no I, I hopefully i mean obviously i want burnley to do well but i think they've got the tools to do so and, and it's nice to see a new manager an exciting manager kind of cutting his teeth in england and not just coming f- straight from abroad into one of the big jobs or coming straight from a playing career into one of the big jobs and and hopefully company and I'm, I'm Burnley are really successful in the coming years. But yeah, it's not been a bad start to the season, has it? We're going to be doing our star of the month. This might be something we do every month, mightn't it? Like one, one, one in every four or five episodes. But, um, but certainly for now, what we're going to do is we're going to talk through um, team by team. So we might be on for a little while, guys, but we're going to go through team by team who we think the standout player has been for each of those sides. Um, uh, uh, so far this season in the first month of the year of course we're just getting into September um, what I thought we could do JP is um, is we'll go we'll, we'll take it in turns if you want we'll, we'll both give our, um, our our one that we uh, was that Frank in the background <laughs> yeah just yeah, yeah, just, yeah. just just wanted to get involved um, uh, we'll, we'll go one by one uh, but we'll take it in turns to go first so each of us gets a chance to go first yep agreed let's do it wonderful uh, who, who's starting then Go on, I'll, I'll let you go first. So we're going to Arsenal first? Yeah. There's a lot for me. They've signed well. They've played very attractive football. Um, there's a few players that you think, like Saliba coming back maybe. Um, yeah, the, Jesus has been really good. But I think I think Odegaard. I, I think Martin Odegaard is starting to show why everyone was talking about him so much when Madrid signed him when he was like 15. 
He's done a great job of rebuilding his career. I think he's only 23 now, and he creates so much for them. He's really exciting to watch in that free role behind the forward. I think he's been great, and I think he's going to have a great season. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. Um, two of the names that you just mentioned there, I, I've written three names down. Um, so for me, Saliba as well. Mm. Gabriel Jesus has started really well. But for me, I went for uh, Martinelli. I think he's been yeah. excellent. Yeah, he, he, he looks good, doesn't he? Uh, in terms of he's really exciting, he's really direct. Um, maybe he's not quite delivered on the goal front as, 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 as freely as maybe they would have wanted. But that front four in general is awesome, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. All right, um, then. But, go on. But, I, I'll, um, I'll, I'll bow to your your choice on that one then. So Odegaard is we the take, best. We take an All right, then this one might be a little bit more difficult, mate. Tell me who you think has been the standout player for a very yeah. mediocre Aston Villa team. I've written two names down. So Leon Bailey and Ollie Watkins were the two that, that I got to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Bailey, Bailey had a really good pre-season and then he, he started a little bit, but he started to find a little bit of form. Um, but for me, Ollie Watkins has, has been the only Villa player that can really hold his head high. Um, he does a real good job um, in, in multiple positions when, when required. And in a struggling Villa team, he's, he's been the only one to really do anything. Um, I'd agree. Watkins. I'd agree. The, the only other name that came into my brain um, was Emi Buendia, because I don't think people thought he was going to get a sniff when Coutinho came on the permanent and he's kind of worked his way back into the team and he does look like he's got a bit about him and he, you know, he, he is trying, but I'd, I'd agree. I think Holly Watkins is, is probably the standout and, you know, he's an extra lad as well. So we've got a soft spot for him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go for Watkins then. Bournemouth. Mate, I ain't got nothing. I was going to put the key because I feel sorry for him just, just to give him a little bit of love. <laughs> But uh, Billing scored that good goal at the weekend, didn't he? Um, in an absolutely shite... Everyone's saying this game was like really good, but it's not. It was just two shite teams being shite and making mistakes. They're both going down, them and Forrest. But I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Billing, he scored a really nice goal. I, I, I've got nothing. Have you got, have you, have you got anyone that you've thought has looked good? I've, I've written two names down. Um, Jefferson Loimer, just because he's he's everywhere. And, he, you know, he puts a shift in. But Billing, recency bias, that goal was an absolute perler. So... It's Philly Billing. I agree with you. They're both going down. <laughs> Nothing else to say. Right. What about Brentford? They've had a good start to the season, haven't they? Who do you reckon they have. for them? Um, so, again, two names that I've put down there. So, um, I've got Da Silva, who started really well, scored the first two or three games. Um, but it's really difficult to look past uh, uh, Ivan Tony. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, I, th- I, I put Tony as well. I, I, to be honest, I started doing this list before the weekend's games. And I hadn't put him in. I'd actually looked at um, Mbuemo and Matthias Jensen. But I think Jensen yeah. I only put because he absolutely demolished. So he ran the park against us. So maybe that was just biased because that was a game I watched 90 minutes of Brentford and I thought he looked really handy. But yeah, Ivan Tony's just, he's, he is a complete forward. He's big, he's strong, he's quick. He can take pen- best penalty taker in the world, apparently. Um, but he clearly... I mean, he's penalty he, decent. But it, it, yeah. we talk about his hat trick, which we haven't really in the, in the round of. Mm. But that free kick was... Free kick thing was of yeah. And then the poise for that and, you know, the awareness for that chip as well for his hat-trick was just yeah. exquisite. Yeah. So it's Tony. Let's go Tony. Yeah, I reckon so. Where next? Brighton. Brighton have been pretty good, although, yeah. although this is funny because, again, I started writing this before the weekend's fixtures and I was going to start, I, I, I was going to say that I think that despite the fact that, you know, you've got Trossard, March, Gross, all 
playing really well. I think the defence have been the the real strong point. They build from the back and they've done really well to adapt to losing some key players in, in the summer. So um, I was thinking about Veltman. I thought Veltman's been really good. Um, but I don't think the defence played that well, to be honest, at the weekend um, against Leicester. Again, it's going to be a dog shit Leicester team. So I don't know. I'd probably still say Veltman because I haven't really thought about it enough to think of somebody else. But I'd be keen to think, think to hear what you reckon. Uh, again, I've written two names down. So the first one being Robert Sanchez. Um, yeah. I think he's made some really good saves again. And um, similar vein to what you're saying, you know, the, the, the back five, you know, really, he makes them tick. And he's been, he's been a revelation, really, in the last couple of years for saying he came from nowhere. Hmm. He come from, like, Rochdale or something like that. Yeah, so he's, uh, yeah. But Pascal Gross has been a revelation. Yeah. After he came in and he had a really good season that first season. And he's just kind of fallen in terms of his standards but this season he's been absolutely excellent mm. and a special mention for um, McAllister as well he should have scored the goal of the season that got disallowed um, mm-hmm. but yeah um, again you know he's he's one of those streaky players I think he, I don't think he'll he'll feature in this list too too often but yeah for no. me Gross has, has probably been the best best Brighton player I'm happy to go with Pascal Gross um, what about Chelsea then next mate they've had a patchy start to the season haven't they they have. They've not been good, have they? Um, they've been lucky uh, quite quite a few times. Uh, but for me, just for the fact that he's come into a new club and he's hit the ground running, Raheem Sterling. He's the best of a bad bunch. Uh, I, I was going to go for another new signing, but I was going to say Kukurea. Yeah, he yeah. was the second person on my list. But yeah. yeah. But I, th- I think either, like I said, there's not a lot of good going on at Chelsea at the minute, is there? So. Um, they're, they're riding a look a bit in, in, in games but I think either Sterling or Kukurea could probably be a shout let's go Sterling because yep. um, you know he's, he's scored a few goals hasn't he yep happy with that this one's going to be a short one uh, Crystal Palace uh, you say it's going to be a short one it's interesting I think Anderson I think Anderson's been amazing yeah Is, um, I, assume that's, I assume that's not you do you want me to tell you why I like Anderson because I feel like last season Mark Gay he took a lot of the plaudits rightly so very good player but I think what Anderson started to display this season is that um his range of passing being a, a modern progressive center half um uh being able to carry out from the back I just think he's been very very good and I've got a feeling he might get snapped up by a, a bigger team fair fair I, again I've written two names down but um I've gone Eze and Zaha I was gonna say Eze would would have been I thought you'd have said Eze to be honest, Zaha is good and we know he's good, but Eze is just really exploded onto the scene. It's Eze then. Eze will go with him. Uh, okay, Everton, I feel very, very strongly about this one, so I'm going to be interested to hear what you say. That's your first choice, isn't it? Or is it me? Is it me? I think it's you. Yeah, it's you. Um, I think uh, I think some of the, the reinforcements at the back have been the best players. Um, yeah. So Cordy and Tarkovsky. Um, and, and Pickford as well, after his, uh, his game against... Liverpool, but that was his first clean sheet of the season. So um, for me, James Tarkovsky. Uh I disagree. Uh, not that he's amazing. Uh, I think they've done. A, I think Everton have been so shaky at centre half for a good few years, and they've bought wrong in the past. Cody and Tarkovsky for a combined fee of nothing uh, is amazing business. And those centre halves that are sat either injured or on the bench need to start looking for the clubs because they're not Great. going back in ahead of them too. Um, yep. But my my pick, um, and I've watched quite a bit of Everton, because um, uh, obviously Sammy's a blue nose, um, uh, Nathan Patterson. 
Okay. I think yeah. I think he, I think he's fucking amazing. Honestly, he's 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 tenacious. He's good on the ball. He's good in the tackle. He gets forward and supports the play well. He can put a cross in. He's the perfect replacement to Seamus Coleman at right back. I, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to keep him, to be honest. I think he's going to be a big, big name in coming years. I think he is fucking awesome. And uh, yeah, I, I feel very passionately about the fact that Nathan Patterson is their player of the season so far. Okay. Well, well, let's go with that because I'm I'm nowhere near as passionate. I just uh, my my clarity. <laughs> Where are we going next? Fulham. It's got to be Mitrovic on it. Yeah. It's got to be Mitrovic. I, I mean, you know, special mention for um for Pereira. Yeah. And um and Tim Ream. I think Tim he, Ream. I, I, I dogged him a little bit, but I think I think in certain games he's been really good. I, th- I think they've all been good. I think um, I think Paulini has come in and done a really good job as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, Deco Dover Reed. I, th- I think there's a lot of players that are really, really delivering. But Mitrovic is just. I think Mitrovic has got this. Rep- he's gathered this reputation that he can absolutely demolish the championship, but he can't step up and do it in the prem. And he plays his game. He's he's, he's a much more intelligent. I mean, we we talked last season about Lukaku and, and the term flat track bully being banded about, but you know. Mitrovic is, is similar in the sense that he will roll over weak players, but he targets weak play. He targets weakness. Like, really, he smells, but he's like a shark. He smells blood. It's like he will peel off and pick the centre off or the fullback that he knows isn't going to beat him in the air. And he'll bully him and he'll dog him. Yeah, have and, that, um, Trent. <laughs> yeah, fuck off, Trent. Best right back in the world. He is the best right back in the world. But that's not the point I'm making. Uh, I wasn't just no, talking about Trent. It, but no, he, no, he, he knows what he's doing and he bulldozes and he's good. He's, he, he's like a juggernaut. Once he gets going, he's good. He, his hold-up play is good. He's, he's a very, very capable and competent Man, no footballer. Very, though. He's, not, he's not just that. You, you saw no. him. He, he sent um, Van Dyke for an Van Dyke for a butty on opening day. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He's a skillful player. He's got a bit of everything. I think Agreed. outside of the top six, he's top two from a striker perspective, him and Ivan Tony. Yeah, agreed. Not top six, big six. No, I mean the big six. Yeah. I think I think it's him and Tony who are clear the best two. All right, what about Leeds? Leeds a tough one because Leeds have been pretty good in in spells this season, haven't they? Yeah, I, I've only written one name down. And on. It's a shame that he's injured, Rodrigo. Yeah, I think that's the obvious one, isn't it? Yeah, um, that's why I went for yeah, it because I, I, I don't watch a great deal of Leeds. I don't have a lot of time for them. But um, no, yeah. no, but they are playing some good football. Um, I, that Mark Rocker looks good. He scored at the weekend, didn't yeah. he? Um, he? He looks like a, an astute signing, particularly when they've um, they, they, they've had. Uh, I think the thing with with Leeds is that they've had a uh, they've had the heart kind of ripped out of them. You know, Rafinha, Calvin Phillips has gone. It, it's it's difficult to to rebuild and and reshape and. They brought a lot of players in. Um, that Sinistera looks good, um, but I, I, I'd actually, I'd written Rodrigo down, but I'd also put a special mention down for Jack Harrison. I think Jack Harrison's a very good footballer. And I think he's had a good start to the season as well. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Rodrigo's probably the standout one because he's, he's been bagging, hasn't he, before he got hurt? Yeah. Leicester. I, I haven't got one. Jewsbury Hall. Jewsbury Hall looks like he's a good little player and he's going to get better. I've got n- nothing else to say about Leicester City. They're shite, and I hope they go down. I, I can't say that personally, but um, but yeah, I think I think there's three oh, worst no. teams. I don't, I, I don't think they'll go down, but I want them you to go down. Right, no, okay. not, not, not for Leicester fans, because I like Leicester fans. 
Like, I like that little underdog story of them winning the FA Cup and winning the league. It's amazing. It's Royal Rovers stuff. And they always stay quite humble. And I've got time for Leicester fans. And I, I don't want to start like a dick and say, no, I hope you just go down. But they've not spent any money. They've sold the best centre-half. The striker's aging. They've not replenished. The owners haven't done what they need to do. Rodgers needs to move on, in my opinion. I, I, th- I think that's the issue more than the, the recruitment. I, mm. I, I think it's just gone stale it baffles me it baffles me that a team is so lacking in structure and vision for how they want their team to look that Wilfred and Didi has gone from being the next big CDM who's going to go on and get a big money move and play in the Champions League to being a frankly below average centre half yeah maybe Faze comes in and does the job Maybe. I, I, I they, they won't go down, you're right, but they're not no. going to be higher than 14th, 15th, I don't think. But, you know, just to try and paint a slightly different picture, because I quite like Leicester. Uh, I, I definitely think it's time for Rodgers to go, but the fact that they kept all the Madison and Tillemans, I think that's a, a good thing. Yeah. For yeah. Fauna, I think they maximised the transfer. He wanted to go. Um, yes, and they got a lot so, of money from didn't they? But they yeah. didn't have time to spend it. No, no, this is it. Um, but I agree with you. Indeed, he shouldn't be playing at centre half. He should, you know, and quite rightly, you know, centre defensive midfield. He'd be an absolute revelation. Mm. Um, but I do agree with you. They haven't had a great deal of um, of good fortune so far. Um, they've been shit. But Madison started to turn up a little bit. Um Hill, he was the second name that I wrote down. So I like him. I like him. I think he's a good player, but Madison's quality as well. Okay, what about Liverpool? They've had a funny old start to the season, haven't they? They have, yeah. Um, for, for me, Bobby Firmino has been the standout. Yeah. They've not been great, but yeah, Firmino has been the, the, the best player. He'd been written off, hadn't he? He'd been written off in a lot of media channels. Not by Liverpool fans, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll slate Liverpool fans whenever I can, but give them the due. They've always stood by him. He's, you know, he's an integral part of the team and he's an unsung hero and he's stepped up. Without him, I think they'd probably be even worse off than they are because he's, he's led. They're missing Mane though. They miss Mane. I, I think I was saying this to somebody the other day. The thing with Mane was when Liverpool are electric, there's no stopping them. There's no they're a juggernaut. There's no stopping them. When they're on, they'll they'll do what they did to Bournemouth. They'll yeah. turn teams over. And you won't you won't touch the ball for ninety minutes, and they'll be incredible. And Sal, I know Salah didn't score or get an assist. Everyone, as to everyone's detriment in foot, fantasy football, he captain them uh, in that nine nil. But normally, you know, Salah will get a hat full. You know, uh, you know, all, all these players will contribute. Firmino will score. The lads from the defenders will get loads of assists, and it'll be lovely. What has served Liverpool really well in recent years in the Premier League winning season in those second places where they run City close when they won the Champions League when they're playing shit. And they can't grind a team down. Mane does something fucking ridiculous and gets them out of a hole. And they've not got that now, I don't think. Diaz could be that. Diaz could be that. And I think he's looked pretty good this season. But he's got... He's got and and he's it's got, only a matter got, of time before Salah turns back on. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. He is an incredible player. Um, the only other name that I wrote down as well, um, just as a, a, a little mention from the bench, is uh, Carvalho. I think he's started really well and he's been important for them. 
Like I, I'd actually written down Harvey Elliott. I think Harvey Elliott look, looks really good in in, in in a midfield that's coming under a lot of criticism. Um, I think he's he's looked pretty good. He's definitely got the raw talent. I, I just don't necessarily think he's a nailed on starter. But they've got a lot of injuries, haven't they, Liverpool? I mean, yeah. what it's me though. You know, I'm not defending them in any way. But yeah, I, he's he's been decent. I, I don't think he's been standout. I think I think Firmino needs to get the nod. Yeah, just for, for what he's done so far. Happy with that. What's next? Manchester City. Haaland, move on. I totally agree. I, I, before we move on, though, can we just say how good he's been? Quality. And you know what people saying? Oh, is he going to be able to do it in the Prem? Are you fucking high? Have you seen him? The man is an animal. He's seven foot twelve. He's built like a like Usain Bolt. He's absolutely incredible. He, he's 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 a robot and he's class. And he's and he's going to go on. It, it, the thing, the only thing that's going to stop him being an all-time Premier League legend is if he wants to go to Spain at some point in his career. I feel like he's got a very set plan on what he wants to do with his yeah. life and with his. He's career. already said somewhere that he wants to go to Madrid. It's Madrid, isn't it? He fancies Madrid, so yeah. it's how long City get out of him before he goes to live that dream. Um, you know, he's, I, he's. I hope they get a good six or seven years out of him. Oh, the because prem- he, he'll be pushing top goal scorer in the Premier League history. By yeah, that point. In, in seven years, he's he's absolutely two hat tricks already. He's he's unbelievable. He's <laughs> unreal. And then people pe- and then people just still trying to find ways to drag him down. Oh, he scores tapping. He's a tapping merchant. Oh, fuck off. Fuck off. Just nonsense. Yeah, nonsense. Agreed. But he's he's amazing. But yeah, City haven't been City haven't been flawless. But they've been the best. They've been the best so far, in my opinion. I know they're not top of the league, but I think when they're on, they're they're City still. Um, but he's, he's he's a difference maker. Yep, agreed. Completely agree. Uh, Man United. Jadon Sancho. Interesting choice. I've I've written three names then. I've written Sancho, Eriksson, and Rashford. Um, mm. and I've written Rashford off a lot of times over the last six months, and it looks like he's found the love again for the game. And yep, yeah, fair play to him. But yeah, Sancho, I think. Uh, Based on his his body of work from last season, I wasn't expecting a great deal, but he's uh, he's he's probably been United's most effective player in my my opinion. Yeah, Eric Ericsson for me. Uh, but but both the forward lads have done really well. But Ericsson is like we said in the previous segment is special, and he's 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 probably exceeded expectation um, the most. Uh, with a special shout out to both uh, uh, Martinez. And uh, Malassia, who I think are both been very good. And Raphael Varane, to be fair, who, you know, everyone decided was shit all of a sudden, even though he's won 45,000 Champions League in a World <laughs> Cup. Like, but, oh, you know, he's gashed. Because he's ga- he was injured and United were rubbish. He's shit all of a sudden, but he's not. He's very good. So, yeah. And Dallow, the back four have all been really good. But Ericsson, Ericsson's the one. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Newcastle. Now, he didn't start last week so at the weekend so I feel like maybe I've jumped the gun a bit too early but everyone's going on about Sven Botman being this like great player but I think Dan Byrne's been awesome Dan Byrne is awesome really good player like really good player the Liverpool game is what turned me on to him uh, more so like I thought they were really unlucky to to lose that game Um, but he was just he was excellent he was everywhere and he's got those long legs Annie that just sticks him out and gets the ball out and intercepts and 
I love him. I, I think he's quality. I think for me, they need to get him and Botman playing in that team together at the back because that is a great. Don't get me wrong, Fabian Shah is a good player, but I think that those two are the ones that Newcastle need to build. Build that back four with Trippier and Target either side of them and Pope in net. That is a quality back five. But yeah, I'd really like Danberg. You just mentioned the two players I was going to mention. So Trippier, um, I think he's just become such a good senior pro now. Um, and yeah, proper captain's example for. for Newcastle, and he knows where, where the back of the net is from a free kick as yep. well, which is always yep. good. Yep. But I think Nick Pope's been an absolute revelation. And for me, Nick Pope's been their best player. Mm. Yeah, he has been good. But that's your that's your claret into glasses again. No, I in this case, it's not because I'm still, I've still not forgiven him for leaving. But, um, right. okay. but yeah, I, I think he's been really good. Okay, all right. Well, we'll say that then. Uh, how about Forrest then, mate? They're another one that I haven't really got going, have they? Yeah, they've been interesting to watch, though. Um, mm. I'm going to stick on the keeper's um, kind of point here, and Henderson, I think he's been good. Um, yeah. And the lad Johnson as well, um, Brent, Brennan Johnson, I think he's been really good uh, yeah. going forward. I, 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 wrote, I, I wrote Henderson down. I think it's Henderson, Henderson. Henderson's got um, a bit... He's, I, th- I feel like he's got the bit between his teeth a little bit. Um, wants to prove wants to prove United wrong, doesn't he? And fair play to him. Um, he, he'll he'll be he'll be good in a team like Forest because he'll get peppered and he's a good shot stopper, and he's got a big mouth and he commands his area well and he's a personality. So when he's under fire, the same thing happened, you know, when he's playing for for Sheffield. Um, he's a good, very good keeper, and it'll be interesting now because we've got four very good English keepers in Pickford, Pope, Henderson, and Ramsey, and um, it'll be only three of them are going to the World Cup, and it's going to be interesting to see who misses out. It is, it is. Maybe that's a conversation for the next couple Another of weeks. Another day, yeah, we'll get into it. Uh, but yeah, Henderson, it is. Uh, yep. Another really quick one, I guess, Southampton. They've been shite. Uh, they, mm, you say they've been shite. I, th- I think they've shown flashes. I just don't, I just, I just don't think they've got any depth in the squad. Um, I really like the young lad, Lavia, that's come from uh, City. Yeah, he, he was the one uh, that I wrote down. Um, along He's with injured. Che Adams. He's injured, injured now. Yeah, yeah love you. Yeah. Jay Adams is is a is an enigma. <laughs> Sometimes he's brilliant, but then he'll miss one from two yards out, and it'll it'll Was, it, was it was it Jay Adams that handballed a ball in the net from two yards? <laughs> yeah, that was so shit. Yeah. I've got a question for you. What was a, what was what was worse, Jay Adams doing that or Patrick Bamford clearing it off the opponent's line when he could have tapped it in for Leeds? I think Jay Adams. Because the, the ball was looping and he could see it all the way, whereas Bamford, it was kind of a slide in at the last minute. He, he slid too shit. early, didn't he? Balls for shit, don't get me wrong. But yeah, um, but yeah I think Adams Adams takes it. And the fact that he went off celebrating <laughs> as well. <laughs> when he knew he had bullet. Yeah. VAR, mate, VAR. Um, yeah, I think Lavia's been a standout for them. Uh, what about Spurs? Um, I've written down Hoiberg and Harry Kett. Yeah, I, I I put Kane just because he scored in August. To be honest, bless him, um, which which is new for him and new a new exciting experience. Uh, but I I think Hoiberg's been good, a bit of an unsung hero, isn't he? Mm, yeah, and he's got a couple of goals, and you know he he does make them tick. Yeah, uh, either. And he I, does I, all I, that I, horrible I, stuff as well. He's yeah, he's good. Yeah, no, I like Hoiberg. I think he's a very good player, very underrated. Um, where are we going next? West Ham. They've, they've not really done a lot that's exciting no, no, no. me either. Um, Four Niles has looked pretty good. Yeah, it, it was the name that I wrote down. 
Um, I haven't got really much more to say about it than that. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's contributed a bit and he's doing quite well on fantasy football. Yeah. That's all I've really got to say about him. I don't think West Ham have really, really got the season going yet, have they? No, no, they haven't at all. Um, but Fabianski, he's uh, he's done all right. Mm. And, and you know, we didn't think he was going to play. We thought that maybe this would be the season he got ousted, didn't we? But no, he's still there. Still there. But yeah, no, I'd, I'd say four and a half. Yeah, uh, what, what about Wolves to round out? They're another one that I really struggle to put a name down for. Um, I, I've written three down there. So it was the goalkeeper, it was Nathan Collins, and it was Daniel Podence. Um, I, I think um, probably the goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. They, they've, they've been they've been steady away, clean sheets for days. Yeah, yeah, you've got, yeah. Let's Save the penalty did saw. I think yeah. Collins has, has started well as well. You know, again, yeah. same thing, clean sheets and. Yeah, yeah, I like, I like, I like Jose Sarr. I think when you come back into that conversation of the best keepers outside of the big six, I think he's in, he's in the discussion, isn't he? I think, I probably think Robert Sanchez is the one that will probably get picked up first because I think stylistically he is the most, he has the skills that are most tailored to a big six club. You know what I mean? Good with his feet, good playing out from the back, very well rounded, sweeps well. Um, but I think Sars a better keeper in the role in, in in the role he's in now, and then you've probably got as a Pope. goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah they probably got Pope and Pickford in that conversation as well. Maybe Henderson too. But um, but yeah, he's a very good keeper. He's a very good keeper. But they've, they've conceded what four goals so far. So, yeah, 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 yeah. You, you yeah, you've got to you got to give him credit for that, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, there uh, you go. You guys are all stars. Well, yeah, well done. See, well, God, we were on for ages with that, Ben. That, that, that took like 40 minutes. <laughs> um, uh, Mark Crawford will be having a lovely time on his morning commute. Um, right, let's just round up quickly. Very last uh, segment. Let's have a quick talk about fantasy football. Um, mine went from the sublime to the ridiculous. I uh, managed to uh, climb the table after a really good game week last week and then back to absolute mediocrity this week because... Um, yeah, none of my defenders are scoring points, which is which is a bit shit, really, isn't it? Yeah, and, and I did the exact opposite. I had a really bad week, and then I've had a decent week this week. So I've kind of gone back above, you know. Can I let you in on a secret? Always. I've wild-carded. Have you? Yeah. yeah. We get an extra one, don't we, because of the World Cup? Do we? All right. Yeah, okay. I, yeah so I didn't feel as bad about doing it. Yeah, so And I've made some big decisions in doing it. Because I've got to a point where I've just thought, fuck it, I'm not going to win again this year. So um, I'm just going to, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to watch the world burn. I'm just going to create anarchy. In the people that I pick. Okay. Interesting. So there you go. That's what's happening. Uh, we do have a fantasy football league, of course, JP, to talk about. We uh, do. Uh, can, can I just say on that, we've got two new entrants uh, into the league this uh, this coming week, and Jack Murray with Mount Your Mum is uh, has got to be one of the mm, best team names. I've wonderful. Seen. Wonderful. Who is Jack and, Murray? And, I don't know. Maybe he's one of our TikTok people. Chat Murray, welcome. Yeah. Um, and good name as well. Yeah. And, um, you know, on a similar sort of vein, uh, but the league leader at the moment is uh, Two Girls, One Schlup, which is still... <laughs> two uh, Girls, One Schlup, <laughs> Benny Little. I love it. Um, he's doing really well after saying that he, he's not going to pay any attention to it all season. He definitely he is. is. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's going well so far. I'm 17th. Out of 52, which I'll take. Yeah, and I'm fit 13th, so exactly where I was last season. So. Well, yeah. there you go. There you Not go. Not really like, miles away from the top, I guess. But 
It's, early days, isn't it? it's, it's funny though because you look at the ownership of some of the players like 75% of people have got Hall and the same yeah. for nearly 80% for Jesus you've got to almost look for differentials to make any difference and, that's, and why, that's what you've done with your wild and, and that's why I'm going fucking rogue <laughs> so uh, looking forward to either absolutely smashing next week or getting 12 points it's going to be one of the two I so hope it's 12 points. <laughs> <laughs> Watch this space. You've got to tune in next week to hear me moaning about how badly I did and how I should have just stuck with Jesus, Harlan, Salah, Trent and Cancelo because they all get fucking 40 points. <laughs> um, I can't wait to see your front three of uh, Jamie Vardy, Pierre-Emerick, Bamiyang <laughs> and Darwin Nunes. <laughs> <laughs> Darwin Nunes is shit. Fucking Uruguay and Andy Carroll. But we've not got time to talk about him. Maybe we will get to it next week. Uh, JP, if people want to give us a follow on the old social media, where can they find us? Oh, they can just go anywhere and type in Football Pundit Imposters and we'll, our little faces will pop up. Most importantly, get yourself over to TikTok and get involved in the day. Yeah, go and, go and inflate Rob's ego a little bit further. Tell him he's got good Boom. ball knowledge. Boom! Um, <laughs> it's all right. You can come and turn me down. Um, and that's What that. about you? Where, where can they find you? Uh, on TikTok, football put it imposters. <laughs> That's all I care about now. I miss the TikTok. Uh, no, uh, little runner boy Rob on Instagram. Give me a follow. Come and have a chat with me. And you ah, are? You're not going to ask me? Oh, thanks, sorry, thanks, I, thanks I, for, I, I thought, thanks for I thought, I, I thought you were queuing yourself up, but that's all right. No, no, no. Work people find isn't it? Um, I'm at JP Runs Free, and you know, I'm, I'm not quite as big on TikTok, but I'm just as nice. <laughs> right, good. That's it. We will catch up again uh, next week. Uh, thank you for sticking with us for a good hour and, what is it, hour and ten minutes. Not too bad. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll catch you on the flip-flop. Have a good week, guys. Peace. Peace.